in terms of how people now use our events. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we were always set as a fundraiser, but people will talk to their oncologist and communicate with us and say, I want to go to Battle Cancer London. I want to go to Battle Cancer Berlin. Mm -hmm. And I want us to be their CrossFit Games. I want us to be, you know, I've got to get through chemo. That's the open. I've got to get through post without drugs. Okay, that's the semifinals. I then got my training period and I'm going to go to that Games. And then the second year they come back, I want them to be even better mentally and physically and keep coming back and using us as that barometer. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. In this episode, I got to share a conversation with Scott Britton, who's the founder of Battle Cancer, which is a nonprofit that uses functional fitness events to raise funds for cancer charities, as well as providing free training programs to help cancer survivors thrive post-treatment. Now, most recently, Battle Cancer has formed an official partnership with CrossFit, and it sits poised to become an even bigger global phenomenon as it leverages the CrossFit community to create powerful bonds and relationships that support cancer survivors. Now, in this episode, Scott shares how he became so passionate about the fight against cancer, the benefits of using movement as medicine, and his dream of developing a network of fitness professionals and affiliates who are trained to support those affected by cancer. I was personally most struck by Scott's incredible passion and how it has been contagious and allowed him to create a global team and community that's focused on supporting those who are suffering and giving back and creating health. And I think you'll hear that come through in the interview. Now, before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. So with that, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here today with Scott Britton, who is in the middle of rural Ireland and <laughs> in the middle of a 20 day fundraising sprint. And so I'm so excited to talk with you and grateful that you took the time to do this. So thanks for being on. No, thank you for having me on. It's amazing. Obviously like your, uh, not only your athletic background, but obviously your professional background and everything that you've done. It's, it's amazing for what we're trying to do to, to finally get to be able to connect with someone like yourself. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks. Well, I know I'd love to learn just a little bit more about you and what brought you to doing what you are today with Battle Cancer. I know you have a background as a police officer in Manchester, UK, um, but can you talk just a little bit about how you first found CrossFit and then we'll go from there? Yeah, of course. So my background was uh, powerlifting. So I competed at at world level in in powerlifting as a smaller guy because I'm pretty small. Um, (laughs) But but during that time, everything that we did every single year, I wanted to do a physical challenge that was a fundraiser. But in terms of my maximal output, I never managed to raise that much money. So I would always do crazy big challenges, but it, it never actually made a significant like big dent in what we were trying to do. And then right. one year, I, I kind of thought that, you know, instead of spending all that time as a, as a physical output, like the time and energy, 
to bring other people together. I said, so if a hundred people only fundraise what I do collectively, mm-hmm. that becomes a hundred times what I do. And mm-hmm. that was where the, the idea came to bring people together. One of the things that I'd seen was that there was a huge difference, especially this is kind of four years ago in terms of uh, functional fitness and, and seeing that as a competition or as a challenge and, you know, phenomenal events across the world, but they separated people, you know, you had elite people, RX, you had scaled and, and the way that we'd been affected by cancer and the people that we'd seen over the years there was no difference you know like as an elite athlete cancer still comes for you as someone who's never stepped foot in a gym cancer still comes for you so we wanted to create this ability for everybody to do the same thing no barrier in terms of skill or movement or if there was a barrier we wanted to have the flexibility to give them the option to do something else so just that everybody was moving together and what we realized that through some shared suffering people would open up and really empathize with each other. They would share stories. And then as a byproduct, like the fundraising was amazing, but we would create connections with people and networks of groups from across different countries as we expanded. So, you know, from, from the year one, we expanded um, to having two events the year after, and then we had six the year after that, that was in Europe and across the UK. Um, and then pre-COVID, we, we started to come to the US as well. So it kind of was set out to be a way of doing better at fundraising myself. And, and along the way, we've evolved to have more and more events, a community network, and then eventually our own charitable program that, that's tied in as well. That's amazing. And it sounds like even, you know, very early on, you've had this passion for fundraising. Um, and, you know, nowadays, it seems like almost everybody is in some way touched by cancer, whether it's themselves or a family member or a friend. And for you, what was it about fundraising for cancer that really caught your heart and your attention? So I think it's you know, people often presume when they see the story that I've had like an intensely personal connection with cancer. And, and what I had to say is it, it, it's not been one intense. It's been a significant part of my life as far as I could remember. So, uh, you know, I've, I've spoke to people before and I said, I knew how to conduct myself at a funeral before I knew how to conduct myself at a wedding because I'd just wow. been to so many funerals and the common theme of being a very small Scot, much less bid, was that <laughs> there was always somebody that was lost and that was always due to cancer. You know, every single time somebody had passed away and I'd had to go to a funeral, the adults around me explained to me it was cancer. And then as, as I grew older, I'd had multiple touch points within our, within our family, like my wife, her grandmother got cancer, very fast diagnosis, but recovered. Then her grandfather, almost two weeks after her grandmother had recovered, got a very fast uh, cancer diagnosis and passed away. Mm-hmm. And, and that was happening all the time. You know, I'd, I'd had friends. We, we had a, a friend of ours, Craig, who features on some of our videos. You know, he, he got diagnosed with brain tumor at 28, um, multiple chemo, radiotherapy, um, so in terms of this in massive individualistic draw, it was just, you know, there's many things that affect many people around the world, but this seemed to be something that evened out, you know, it didn't matter if you were rich or you were poor, it didn't matter if you were black or you were white, it was just something that hit everybody. So for myself, it was a concentration piece every year to do something. Um, and then when I realized I was really bad at doing it individually, I was like, okay, this is the thing that- <laughs> You need some help. <laughs> other, yeah, I need help. I need other people. And you know, I, I think the, the stat says one in two are affected. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not, it's way, way more. You know, we, we quite often at events or takeovers ask people to put their hand in the air if they know or have been affected themselves. And nine times out of 10, it's every single person in that room. So it's it's kind of it started off as this 
everybody who passes away, it's cancer, to something individualistic in terms of I wanted to have a challenge every year. So now it's become everyone we meet our entire life. You know, we, we've got so many connections and touch points with the stages of cancer. You know, it's not just people presume cancer equals death. You know, there's so many different stages of how people are, are, are you know, affected by cancer. So, yeah, so my long winded way of how I went from from one to, to where we're at. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, and just amazing that, you know, even from a young age, you noticed it, but you then wanted to do something about it and then realized, okay, we can do more. The more people we bring into this, the more impact we can have. So um, let, would you mind just sharing a little bit about what battle cancer is and what you do first, just to give people context? Yeah. So we kind of split right down the middle. So number one, we're a fundraising challenge. Uh, and this is where it's been so cool to get the official partnership with CrossFit. So what we want to do is we take fundraising as, as a challenge. You know, so many people, they, they do marathons or they do 10Ks or 20K runs and they'll mm-hmm. train for that specific challenge. They'll do that challenge. They'll fundraise, you know, their family, friends will support them along that journey. And that's what we want to do. So our events are, we, you know, one day we have four really tough workouts in that day but there's no barbell there's no gymnastics so it's as tough as you will make it from your effort and and from internally and that's you know some of the best results we've seen from people are those that are not necessarily great athletes but it means something so much to them Mm -hmm. but we the only difference of competition that we have is our AMRAP, which is our as much raised as possible. Okay. So this, as soon as you walk in the door on the day, we say, how much have you fundraised as a team? What charity is it? So we let you choose any cancer charity, any cancer cause that means something to you. And then you, you submit that and then you do your four workouts throughout the day. So that's the events. The other thing that's been born out of the events from the community we've created, from the fundraising, from the connections, is our Battle Cancer program. So we now pay for 14 locations across the UK and the US uh, for people who are post-cancer treatment to have a structured uh, functional fitness program that's delivered by a coach in a group um, over a 12-week period. So and included in that, we support them with... Um, like clothing, supplements, just additional things. But also we build two levels into that. So we're obsessed with looking at how do we recover somebody's identity and their mental health post-cancer treatment. So we look at things like the World Health Organization's quality of life. So how much do they need medication to just do a normal day? You know, Mm -hmm. how do they interact socially with friends? And what's their chronic fatigue levels? You know, that's a, a big goal for us is to help reduce chronic fatigue for those post-cancer treatment Mm -hmm. and then the second is increasing them physically so we do certain tests throughout the 12 weeks and we aim to increase people's grip strength their resting heart rate and and lots of other things that hopefully mean that they can be more functioning to back how they were pre the cancer diagnosis and treatment Mm -hmm. so we're kind of two heads we we do a fundraising vehicle that's for everybody and then we deliver a very specific program for people both online and in person who have been affected personally by cancer That's incredible Um, because I think, you know, especially having a coach or a trainer and then going through it maybe with other people who you can relate to on that level can make such a difference because I can imagine it it being incredibly difficult for someone, even if they have a very supportive affiliate gym community, but they've had to be away for a while for their treatment and their life has changed in such a big way. But just walking back into that community without other people really understanding what they've been through has to be incredibly difficult. And so it seems like this 
can give people the support that they need in order to to kind of get back mentally and physically to where they want to be. It's, it's also removing the moniker of being a cancer patient. So for mm-hmm. us, so many people are, are labeled and, you know, there's a pre-misconception that everybody who's had cancer has lost their hair, they're thin, they can't do things. And, and yes, that is for some people. And unfortunately, the, the treatment effects has that on, on a large amount. But there's people in our program who had cancer eight years ago but they still suffer from chronic fatigue. They still suffer from comorbidities as a result of the treatment and the way that cancer has affected them. But nobody's helped them go back to where they wanted to be. You know, they still mm-hmm. residually are affected as the cancer patient. So that's a big thing of having a group. Be, and we also want to host it in normal gyms. You know, there's, there is some programs that have happened that are separated, you know, they're kind of behind closed doors. But that's what we don't want to do. We want people to feel they're just an athlete like everybody else. They're just on a slightly different program. You know, mm-hmm. some people do mayhem programming, some people do Invictus programming, but they're all doing functional fitness. And we want people to see that as the same. So as the battle cancer program, there's no difference. It's just, it's a little bit more uh, got specificity for you and, and where you are right now. And, and the results of the groups that we've worked with to get the program to where it's at has been absolutely phenomenal from, from both mental health and, and physical changes mm-hmm. that have, that have now really picked people up and and allowed them to go beyond what they were pre-cancer treatment Uh, and and I think that's the really empowering thing as well. That's amazing and I love that you're tracking all of that data too is that something that you're gonna I don't know maybe you have or you're planning to publish publicly so that people can see the impact? A hundred percent yeah so it's a big key thing so I kind of have this um, drive that you know, in terms of those that are post-cancer treatment, the, the availability of, of support is very limited. But if you you count how many gyms there are in each town across the mm-hmm. US, across the UK, across Europe, there is thousands of gyms. You know, CrossFit affiliates, 15,000. Mm-hmm. I need to convince people that this works. So using that data, not only to show the mental recovery, but the physical recovery and, and also cost effective, you know, two classes a week over 12 weeks has a significant reduction in just chronic fatigue. So mm-hmm. the studies that we've worked with previously, chronic fatigue is reduced by 80% just in 12 weeks. That's so amazing. and that costs that's two hours of coaching over 12 weeks. It's nothing. So again, there's a, there's a correlation that we really want to drive, but the data will have to lead that. And again, guys at CrossFit have been phenomenal in terms of saying, we will get you in front of affiliates. We will take this data. We will champion it. Um, and the more MDs that we get to work with those, the more people who review the program, evolve the program, uh, but subsequently look at that data, um, the more credible and, and I think the stronger argument that we have to, to get it pushed out. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I mean, you could see even down the line when you have this data, eventually the argument for insurance reimbursement or things like that for people to be able to do this program. Exactly. And, you know, we're a big proportion of, of movement as a form of medicine. And, and quite often there's a significant reliance on medication mm-hmm. and what the definition of medication is and changing people's perception that actually medicine could be community setting. Medicine yeah. can be structured movement, but trying to convince you know, your gigantic health insurance company is trying to make that change that a hospital, instead of automatically providing you with a drug as prescription, could prescribe you fitness and prescribe you a fitness class, um, which, again, 
is going to be data driven. And that's why we know we're in this for the long haul. And the more places that we have hosted, the more people that are involved, the different age ranges, the more we can do that. But one of the things that you said with that is, is really key. Big insurance companies and health care providers can actually save themselves money. You know, mm-hmm. so this is not only just doing good, but they will actually save themselves money that can be passed back on to the to the client, to the person who needs to have that insurance. And also what a fun way. Like I've never had <laughs> a me- medicine like doing a group workout, like with right. people cheering and shouting for you. So for me, I would choose that all day long. The best medicine for sure. And you mentioned earlier, I, w- I want to go back to what you what you touched on earlier about the community and this concept of shared suffering, because I think that's always what has really struck me is what makes CrossFit so special is, is the community. And this idea that when you go through hard things together, whether it's learning a, you know, doing a really hard workout or learning a new skill or trying something that you're really bad at and working on it over time and then being able to do it, it's that vulnerability around other people and that shared suffering that really creates this bond that brings people together. And now when you pair that, not only, you know, do you have the hard workouts and the the shared suffering there bringing people together from all walks of life? But now you're bringing people together who also have this other deep bond um, of going through cancer, whatever, you know, their journey looks like they have that in common too. That is something that, you know, nobody else can understand unless they've been through it. And so now you have this even stronger (laughs) bond or this way to connect people that, I can only imagine is incredibly powerful. And even though, like you said, the physical exercise is doing a lot, I think that it's also the community and the sense of purpose mm-hmm. and the connection that probably really does a lot for people's health and, and any of the symptoms that they're having. I, exactly. And one of the key things that you mentioned there is having that understanding. And, and so often charity and people who've been affected by cancer or other conditions, they live in a world of sympathy. Everybody sympathizes with them and, mm-hmm. and sympathy doesn't build. Sympathy will keep people in a state of weakness for a very long time and will actually stop them from going anywhere. Where empathy and understanding and having that connection is incredibly powerful and will act as an additional tool for people more mentally than than the physical side but that's such a strong connection and also the reason we chose the word battle cancer you know there's a lot of ideas that words that are potentially militaristic or words that encourage sort of fighting or a combat that they're seen as a bad thing but what we said was if you look at a list of qualities of somebody who enters into a battle or survives through a battle or battles for good not necessarily battles to defeat something those qualities will be shared across the board. And and again, we've had our events where people have left the workout floor and you hear them talking about losing their mom and somebody else says, well, I lost my mom. And, you know, we we do all these takeover tours like we're in the middle of now. And we did one in a great gym in San Diego called Stay Classy. And there was two two guys that had trained together for about two or three years. Um, And they both shared after the workout that they'd both been incredibly personally affected by cancer. And they never knew. You know, for three years, they'd worked out together, but never knew that they'd both been affected. And if we hadn't have had that really tough workout rolling on the floor, but with a conversation around about cancer and and its effects, those guys would have never have connected and and been able to sort of move on and even further in their relationship. So Mm -hmm. it not only helps people from those affected, those secondary affected, but also those that are dealing with the aftermath of potentially losing someone, you know, for 10, 15 years later. So that that's why we think our events hit a really nice mixture of, of getting everybody involved 
And also everybody knows how horrible burpees are. So regardless <laughs> of what language you, you speak, yeah. you can all say they were horrible and it just breaks everybody down straight away. <laughs> yes, it's so true. I always like to think about fitness as one of those universal languages like music or math or something that yeah. everybody can understand. And um, burpees <laughs> definitely <laughs> produces sort of the same reaction, no matter who you are, what your culture or language is. Um, that's amazing. Um, and ama- what an amazing story too. You think about just what the power that we have in the 15,000 CrossFit affiliates around the world, but then how can we make that, what we're doing even more powerful by opening up these conversations like you're talking about, you're doing, you know, around cancer, or maybe there's other topics that, that aren't talked about, but how can we start conversations that bring people together even in more profound ways? So that's incredible. I think especially like, you know, bereavement, you know, it's something that you don't quite often talk about. And one of the key areas that I see that gym, especially gym owners and coaches, they're incredibly emotionally intelligent. So you have people who are effectively social counselors. You know, these people support you on your darkest days and you might not get that in your workspace. You might not get that at home, but you can come into a group and walk through a door. And when you walk through that door, you know, everybody's job title goes out the window. The coach is the one who's the boss. Like the coach is the one who's kind of getting everybody. So I think there's a beauty in relieving yourself of any pressures as well and and being open with each other. Um, You don't always have to sit down in a doctor's waiting room, you know, on a couch to -hmm. talk about mental health or to talk about emotion. That can be done when you're laying down out of breath at the end of a workout. And and that's possibly, I think that already happens across all those gyms. Yeah, that's beautiful. Or even, you know, even support groups are amazing, but you know, how much, especially for people who are, who are encouraged by fitness or brought together by fitness, what a great way to open up that conversation. You know, you see things like even some of the organizations that are using CrossFit as a conversation starter for groups like AA or addiction or things like that. It's, it's just, it's sort of a great, sort of levels the playing field you sweat together and then it opens up the door for more conversation um so i know i i read that you have now raised over a million pounds um and helped over twenty thousand athletes which is incredible for you said you just started in 2015 so six years ago is when you started this no so we our very first event was 2017 um okay. and then and yeah so one of those points is like i we've raised about 1.4 million um mm-hmm. but that's never me like you know i people say how does that feel and i'm like i have not done that you know it's been the 20,000 people that have touched our events across the whole world mm-hmm. that have done that which is which is incredible but yeah you know we it, it's a real sticky point for me because I want that to be every year. I don't want mm-hmm. that to be every four years. You know, I want that 20,000 to be 60,000. I, I yeah. want that to kind of keep going. Um, so it's a really cool set of numbers, but it kind of makes me go, no, it's, it's like when you hit that new PR, it's like, right. can I do one kilo more? Can I do a couple of pounds more? That, that's the constant thing. Right. It's great to celebrate, but I can tell you have much bigger goals and vision for, for what you want to accomplish as a group. Um, what are you most proud of so far that Battle Cancer has accomplished? I think it's it's the people. I think we've seen some just phenomenal transformations of people as a result of either the events. Um, I think 
on a personal note, the program is a is a huge aspect because we we never envisaged when we set out to directly help people in that way. You know, we were very centered around fundraising um, and to have an accumulative amount of fundraising was great. But you don't see where that goes. Like once that goes to that charity, it goes to that charity. And it's very difficult to tell the stories where because we have the program, we're speaking to people who are ready to start the program and they share their story and they share their videos with us and their families come on the call with us. And that's been truly impactful to, to see direct firsthand as a result of what we do, people being helped. That's really, really cool. I think the, the other element is, it's a really weird way and I'm not very good at articulating it, but in terms of how people now use our events. So, mm -hmm. you know, we were always set as a fundraiser, but people will talk to their oncologist and communicate with us and say, I want to go to Battle Cancer London. I want to go to Battle Cancer Berlin. Mm -hmm. And we, I want us to be their CrossFit Games. I want us to be, you know, I've got to get through chemo. That's the open. I've got to get through yes. post without drugs. Okay. That's the semifinals. I then got my training period and I'm going to go to that games. And then the second year they come back, I want them to be even better mentally and physically and keep coming back and using us as that barometer. You know, we, we've got a lady on the program at the moment who's who's potentially going into end of life care. She's in a, a cycle of end of life where treatment's not going to be helping her, but she wants to do the program. She wants to do an event. Um, and, you know, if I kind of don't do anything, just, just know that what we do on a daily basis has given somebody a focus in, you know, the, the end period of their life. I, that's something that I'm really, really proud that we can provide something like that. That is beautiful. It's just getting me teared up a little bit. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, what, so you, you talk a little bit about what you're most proud of that you've done, but what, um, when you said you have big goals and dreams and you want to see not just a million so far, but a million every year, what are your aspirations for battle cancer over the next five or 10 years? So in terms of, first of all, the events, like I, I want us to have really big events. You know, I've been so lucky to get to go and see the likes of Wadapalooza and we're about to announce something really cool with, with linking into the games through an activation. But I want us to have, you know, reach the size of the Boston Marathon. Not everybody wants to do marathons, mm -hmm. but there's so many people that like doing functional fitness and functional yeah. fitness is on the rise. So yeah. I want us to have 10,000 people come and do our events and logistically we can do it I think the second thing for me and maybe this is the kind of naive internal even though I'm a cop internal kind of hippie is I want us to kind of change the industry's goals you know the, the industry and the fitness industry has been so often uh, aesthetic or performance based in yeah. terms of what it does where I want the industry the fitness industry to be an extension of the medical industry I, I want to convince you know, even a Planet Fitness or, you know, even another big gym chain, you know, that this is not only good for the world, but it's good for them as a business. If they mm -hmm. offer to help people in a structured, academically backed way mm -hmm. for those that are affected by cancer. And the, the survival rate for cancer is going up, which is great. But the number of people being diagnosed is also going up. So mm -hmm. what we're going to be left with is a population of people that are going to have been affected by cancer and survived, but with absolutely no structure or support system. And, and if in the next five years we can get the we can get 10,000 affiliates across the world to host the Battle Cancer program, that means at any one time 200,000 people could be on the could be on the Battle Cancer program and helped. And, and that would be the single biggest impacted 
you know, support system, support network. Whether I'll get there, I don't know. Like I'm really good at annoying people until they, they <laughs> listen to me. Um, yeah. But that's that's the dream. That's that's how I think we can truly have an impact. You know, I'd love to say I want to raise a hundred million pound, but I don't know where that'll go. But what I do know is I want to directly affect people and give them both an event to fundraise around, but a program of of support and community. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful, and I love what you said about changing the standard of the industry and how. You know, you know, for a lot of people, maybe where they start fitness is because they want to look look a certain way or lose weight. Yeah. But usually, there's something so much deeper there. And if we can really yeah. get to that, and then help to sort of capitalize on the amazing things that fitness does to do good in the world and bring people together and and create mm-hmm. these bonds, it's incredible. I love it. <laughs> um, so if someone's listening and they are maybe someone who does CrossFit in a gym and they want to get involved, how would they go about it? Yeah, so number one, we'd love people to look at one of our events. Um, first of all, we've, we've post-COVID now, we've got all our events set back this year. So just go into battlecancer.com. So it's just literally battlecancer.com. You can look at the event schedule. You can learn about the kinds of things you'll do on the day. Some of it's hard. Some of it's silly. You'll do piggybacks. You'll do wheelbarrows. You'll run with each other. You'll jump on a bike or a rower. Um, but the other thing that we also want to do is, is also help people in their own fundraising journey. So maybe they don't want to do a battle cancer event, but they want to do some fundraising. We can support people through the social media. We want to have a global community where we highlight and show people that are fundraising and sharing their reason why. Because quite often I think that's missed. We don't really learn about the incredible emotions, connections, and things that people have been through. But then on top of that, we'd love people to look at the battle cancer program. So even if they're fit and healthy, they may know someone. And I guarantee they'll know someone who's been through cancer. And we don't have a limit on how long ago that cancer diagnosis was to join one of our programs. You know, we've got people who are 10, 12 years post-cancer, um, but have never stepped foot in a gym since coming to do our program. So to share the word that this is completely free, nobody has to pay for it. There's a, a, that's the main thing. We have, we're a team of four people that run all the events and the charity. So we have zero marketing budget. We just completely rely on the amazing ability of people in CrossFit to talk about CrossFit. So mm-hmm. that's one of our favorite we're things to that. do, you know, <laughs> we're really good at that. So if we can talk about CrossFit and then about the program, then I, I'll never need to spend a, a penny of advertising in my life. That's amazing. And if it's an affiliate owner or a gym, how could, how could they get involved? Yeah. So, I mean, either directly contacting myself, which is just scott at battlecancer.com or going through the contact uh, on the website, everything's listed on the website. What we're, we're offering at the moment is we run all of the back end uh, medical ha- housing of information. We deal with everything for that person's medical journey, their testing, their onboarding. We're just looking for affiliates across the world who are happy to donate two hours of their time a week for 12 weeks and to host the program in their gym. And we take care of absolutely everything else. Um, and we're now getting people from Brazil. We've got some from Canada. We've getting more across the US. Uh, we want it to grow and grow and grow. Um, and as much as hopefully we get more donations in the next year, we can still support people uh, with all of the back end admins. So just getting in contact, I'll jump on a call with absolutely anybody, explain the, the, the process to them um, and hopefully get more and more people to, to start running the program. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
Well, I want to ask you the three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast as we wrap up here. The first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? So definitely, I know I've probably given away this, the thing that everybody (laughs) says, but, but training. So exercise every single day has to break a sweat every single day. Um, you know, even on a day off, you can still break a sweat. You can still move. You can still go and do other things. So that's number one. Um, the other thing in terms of just overall health, food and nutrition is a big thing for, for me. Um, and something that I've learned more and more about for those, especially affected by cancer and certain foods that are more predispositioned to potentially causing more onsets of cancer, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still have a treat but everything's always done really well. I'm quite regimented in my food. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other one is just in terms of like my actual mental health. So I'm a big fan of writing down things. I've got lists for absolutely everything and and decisions and, you know, even really tough days on the planet. I will write down what I've done that day, but I'll always focus on the things that I've done that are positive. So I always try and trick my own mind into Mm -hmm. having a a positive end of the day. And, And those are the three things I'd say that really affected me the best. I love it. What's one thing that you think would have an impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Sleep, a hundred percent sleep. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I do not get enough sleep. And and I genuinely believe in it. You know, every study, every person I've spoke to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the world's worst hypocrite because I will champion sleep to everyone. And then okay, most nights it's like five hours, four, five hours. So oh, gosh. definitely that. <laughs> oh gosh just think about how good you would feel with a little bit more <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> all right um and then the last question is what does a healthy life look like to you Scott uh, a happy one mm-hmm. I think I think somebody who's happy I think happiness in movement being pain-free being you know mentally pain-free being happy with the people around you so yeah I always for me health is always intrinsically linked to happiness mm-hmm beautiful. It's a great note to end on. Well, thank you so much for sharing and for all the amazing work that you're doing in the world and, and for taking what, what was a passion of yours and now, you know, having that contagious impact on everyone around you to get excited about fundraising and, and helping people create these connections. It's really incredible to see what you're doing. And I'm so excited to learn about all the data you're collecting too, and how um, we can really use this to help bring it to so many more people. So Thank you again. And thank you for your time. I know you're on the road and you're busy, so I appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody listening will get a lot out of this conversation too. No, thank you for the opportunity. It's so cool to finally get to speak to you. And uh, yeah, every single thing like this is just has an unreal knock on, you know, there'll be people that have listened to you for years um, and followed your journey and will have been affected by cancer. And hopefully hearing this today will have, you know, give them a little boost, even if they don't have any extra links with us. So just thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been so nice. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.